Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Whether you have a sports team, company, or charitable event and need custom t-shirts, hats, sweaters, or hoodies, ChopTotallyT-shirt.com can help. ShopTotallyT-shirt.com is the best in high-quality items at great affordable prices and top-notch customer service. ShopTotallyT-shirt.com. ShopTotallyT-shirt.com. One more time, ShopTotallyT-shirt.com. Looking for the perfect gift this holiday season? Check out DoBack.com. DoBack.com is a coupon and cashback site that has you covered with unbeatable deals. Upgrade your tech game without breaking the bank. Get access to exclusive deals and cashback offers on the latest gadgets and discounted tech. Calling all sports and music fans, score big with deals and cashback offers on the NFL, NHL, and NCAA tickets as well as upcoming concerts by legendary artists like Def Leppard, Journey, Foo Fighters, Nicki Minaj. Don't miss out on your chance to experience the excitement live with help from DoBack.com. Still searching for that last-minute gift? DoBack.com has you covered. Find amazing deals with cashback offers on gifts for him, for her, or even the kids. Don't wait. Grab the perfect presents right now. Get ready to save and save big and enjoy the ultimate shopping experience. Don't miss out on these incredible deals and cashback offers. Start shopping right now. Doback.com. That's doback.com. One more time. Doback.com. When the world ends, collect your things, you're coming with me. When the world ends, you tuckle up yourself with me. Watch it as the stars disappear to nothing. Hey, what's good, my pretty babies? Covering the latest in wrestling, entertainment, and beyond since 2011. You all are checking out a special Saturday night live edition of the rcwr show for this saturday night of december 30th 2023 we are one minute before the midnight hour as we are going into december 31st aew worlds in the pay-per-view event just went off the air what did you all think about the pay-per-view event sound off let your voices be heard i have some polls up you can go on x formerly known as twitter or you can go on youtube.com forward slash the rcwr show find me on x at the rcwr show And uh, you can let your voices be heard that way. We'll tally up the votes. And definitely, I want to get you all's reactions to the pay-per-view event. But it's now officially in the books. And officially, we now know 
who the devil is. If you've been checking out the show of mine for the past couple of months, I said to you guys, look, as far as the identity of the devil goes, I said it months back. I said, look, A.W., Tony Khan and them, they got to make sure that they end the year on such a high note that it'll set up great intrigue. It'll create buzz going into that first week of the new calendar year in AEW programming. You want to ride off of a high and everything. And, you know, what's really sad about AEW World's End, I mean, look, were there some good spots in the pay-per-view? Were there some good moments? Yes. Did you have some good matches? Yes. But, you know, you got to take in the bitter with the sweet, without a shadow of doubt about that. But once again, here we are, the last AEW pay-per-view of this calendar year. And everything should be all about this pay-per-view. Everything should be all about potentially the identity of the devil being revealed. Okay? But it gets overshadowed. I don't know what it is with these AEW pay-per-views that come around usually every three months, but during this third and fourth quarter, they've been putting in a couple of more in there, but it seems that we always talk about something else other than the pay-per-view. Of course, I'm talking about all the stuff that had went down with Chris Jericho recently and Man, oh man, oh man, if you had watched AEW World's End tonight, you definitely saw that for the live fans in attendance at this event. They let their voices be heard in regards to Chris Jericho. Definitely seen it from a lot of fans that just so happened to be in attendance. They relate that, hey, my section, hey, a lot of people not feeling Chris Jericho probably would have been a smart move to have him off of the card for tonight, all things considered, because it's kind of more of a distraction and a hindrance to the overall show. And right. We'll talk more about that. We'll definitely incorporate that into the show and everything. I put a poll out right before the main event match asking you guys, who did you all think the devil was? Right. And I made this poll exclusive on X and here's what here's how the final tally had went down. I made sure I took a screenshot that way. Oh, I'm, let me get in a last minute vote so so I can count too. Da, 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 da. Here's where we stand. Here were your options, by the way, at the same time. We had 10% that said Tony Khan. Yes, there was actually 10% of folks that felt Tony Khan was the devil. We had a 21%. Jungle Boy, Jack Perry. Meanwhile, at 33%, you all selected someone else. You know, I really should have put in that option in parentheses, type who you would like it to be. Just so, but I was hoping that by saying someone else, you guys that selected that would type in your answer, but nobody typed in who that someone else would be. Uh, in their book, right? So, but 33% said someone else coming in at top dog. And again, this was minutes before the main event had started, right before the video packages, introductions, all that. Like I literally put this out as the main event was getting ready to go down. Coming in top dog leader at 36%, Adam Cole, Bay Bay. 
And yes, the devil, for those of you that had not watched the pay-per-view yet, and you're like, who's the devil? Who's the devil? Who's the devil? The devil is none other than Adam Cole, Bay Bay. Uh, we'll definitely talk about the pay-per-view in chronological order, but I, I think we really need to go at the heart of the matter and just look at the bitter and the sweet when it comes to that main event match between MJF and Samoa Joe, okay? Because, look, I got to admit, the finish, it just came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. It really did. And for anybody that feels that as far as Adam Cole being revealed to be the devil was predictable, I mean, maybe for you, but a lot of people really felt that it was going to be Jack Perry and that honestly, it was going to be a very deflating situation. It was going to be a lackluster moment. And, you know, predictable, it really depends if you saw the story arc from a mile away that, yo, what better way to have MJF be betrayed than by someone he considered to be his best friend and Adam Cole, then that's good storytelling. That's not predictable. That's just good storytelling. You're going in the direction of, you know, okay, let's, because now that you've done what you've done tonight, now you create the whole narrative of why, why did Adam Cole do what he did? Why did he, you know, essentially betray MJF? Why did he do that? But first things first, let's dissect this whole main event match between Samoa Joe and MJF. As many of you all know by now, MJF had penned a very lengthy article, a blog, whatever you want to call it, on the Players' Tribune days prior, just about, I think it was released on Wednesday. And I highly would encourage you guys to, if you haven't already, go out of your way and read it. But one main thing that you took away as you read that article was, wow, this really comes off as if MJF is getting ready to maybe take some type of a leave of absence. Maybe he's getting ready to go on some type of a hiatus or something. What exactly? That's the one thing that you definitely had took away, especially the part where he talked about how physically he's pretty banged up. He is very hurt and he is just so very, very tired. So you're reading all this and you're going, that's not how a champion should be sounding here. Just days before locking it up with without a doubt a future wrestling hall of famer there and Samoa Joe like this you know this makes no sense whatsoever where exactly are we going uh, with this and everything but those are just the main points I want to highlight from the article I definitely would encourage you guys to go out of your way read the article and come to your own conclusions because if we were to just really dissect the hell out of that article Shout out to my friends in the podcasting world. I know there's been some that's tried to dissect it. It's a great talking point. But my guy, if you were to dissect that whole article that he wrote, you're looking at at least for a podcaster at 25, 30 minutes or, or, or some crap like that. To Horror Kingdom Mayhem in the chat, keep cool, my baby. Take it easy. You ain't got to keep going boom, 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 boom. Just kick back, relax, enjoy your favorite drink. You know, and as we're going about discussing on the show and everything, certain topics you want to chime in a key thought. If I can show you and other people that's chiming in live some love where it fits, 
I'll definitely do that. But guys, you don't have to just, you know, every few seconds, like, I can't see what you're saying, but like, I'm not going to respond to you unless it's definitely relevant, extremely relevant to what we're talking about. But just kick back, relax, talk amongst yourselves about the pay-per-view and, and everything while we're going over some of these key points here. Let's talk about this match, right? So we have already highlighted that article by MJF. All right, so he's hurt, and this has been a recurring theme that we've heard about for months now, that MJF has been running at both ends of the candle. This guy is burned out, and if you are a fan of MJF, you're going, man, at some point then, this guy needs this title taken off of him, but what about this whole story arc of the bidding war of 2024? What's going to happen with that angle and how are you going to create this situation where you do get the title off of MJF and maybe you can still play that story arc back or do you just abandon it and you go in a different direction, right? So you're having that going in the back of your mind as you're going into this main event match, right? And the match between MJF, Samoa Joe, I loved it for what it was worth. But I tell you what, if anything was a sore thumb, was the fact that we had Adam Cole be introduced by MJF right before the bell. And this was a very nice surprise. I like how Taz had put a lot of emphasis in this, especially highlighting the fact that Adam Cole's appearance took Samoa Joe off guard because he's like, what the hell is this guy doing here? Seriously, like, what the hell? But I just felt that that appearance by Adam Cole was a serious sore thumb that that was a taste of things to come. Like literally for me, I'm seeing Adam Cole, I'm going, they're already giving you the spoiler right here and there. The only thing that you as the viewer need to figure out now is how is it going to go down? Is the referee going to take some type of a bump and is out of the equation for a little bit? And then Adam Cole, he basically reveals himself kind of that way or you know, how's this going to play out? Got to continue to watch to find out, right? So I didn't like that part. I think if anything, now some of you guys, look, this is what we do here on the show. We don't just go, this wasn't good, but we also offer constructive feedback as far as, okay, if you would have done this, this probably would have sufficed, right? We're not like the other podcasts out there that just want to bash, 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 right? And that's... That's no personal dig at anybody. It's just everybody's got their own little shtick, but I prefer offering feedback, good feedback that can make things be improved greatly, right? So, yeah, that wasn't good. I would have had uh, Adam Cole come out later on during the match. If you maybe want to have it go down where the referee took the bump, then Adam Cole comes out and he's like, come on. Right. And then we're reacting in real time that way. What the hell is this guy doing here? Seriously? Like what morale support? Okay. I, I guess. All right, cool. Right. But have him appear later than at the start, because now as the viewer, you're more interested in what is Adam Cole going to do than really trying to focus on the match at hand. Right. Right. So good match between MJF, Samoa Joe, the finish to that match where Samoa Joe gets in that trademark Okina clutch. You know, you're looking at this, you're going, 
MJF is fine. He's going to freaking kick out of this. He's got this. He's maybe going to go for a rope break or something like that. He's got this. He's good. Next thing you know, referee checks on MJF doing the whole hand up test. See if the guy is still alert and everything. And we're like, oh, okay. At this point, I'm actually literally looking down at my tablet. I'm checking emails because I'm literally saying, oh, we're just going to check and there's going to be a one hand up. There's going to be a two hand up. And then on that third hand, you know, MJF is going to, you know, I'm still in it. I'm still in it. Hold on now. I'm still in it. And what the hell happens? The arm is raised. Nobody is home for MJF as the arm just collapses and the referee calls for the match. Now, at this point, I actually looked up at my TV going, wait, what the hell? What the hell did I did I just miss here? And I forgot I had a rewind function. I could have easily rewinded, but I just was caught up in real time. I was just left speechless trying to figure out what exactly happened. I thought maybe at this point, without getting full context by the highlights in the commentating team, I was under the impression that maybe Adam Cole did something. Maybe he threw in a towel or, you know, something weird happened. No, we find out that basically Samoa Joe has become the new AEW World Heavyweight Champion uh, pretty much by knockout, you know, if you really stop and think about it, which is a brilliant move, quite honestly, because remember how Samoa Joe had became, was it Samoa Joe or was it Kevin Owens? It might have actually been both men, but I remember there was a situation in NXT where it was either Samoa Joe or Kevin Owens, they basically became the new NXT champion by knockout. And I remember it had involved Sami Zayn. I bet you it was Kevin Owens. I'm sure you guys will jog my memory before the broadcast is over, you know, which is cool. But for those of you that maybe want to research that real quick, look it up, let me know. But I'm just looking at the way the title change hands here tonight. I'm going, well, this is a great move. I, I like this. This is, this is okay. This is stunning, right? It's stunning, yet at the same time, you got a prelude of this. You've gotten a prelude of this for months now, as MJF has talked about how beat up he is and everything. And I know that there are some that's looking at that narrative being put out and they're saying, oh, boo-hoo-hoo to the guy that is wrestling, you know, once a week on a show. Oh, he's burned out. You know, he's physically hurt. Like, you know, boo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo, whatever. You know, but no, if you really stop and think about how the MJF character has been presented, this MJF character, this new this new layer in his character has been running around just, I mean, I hate to say the term fighting champion, you know, but he really has been a fighting champion, whether the title has been on the line or not, the man has stepped it up in storyline and has wrestled more matches compared to what he was doing in the previous years. So, yeah. And then you can also make a, a argument. You can make another argument that, look, this is what happens when you're not really getting the proper training and you're not in a position where you're going out there on the road and getting in more training enough, more injuries is bound to happen as a result, right? It, it's a great, topic of discussion amongst the wrestling community. There's no doubt about that, right? So 
We got a new champion in Samoa Joe. Look, I have said for years, for years, and a lot of you longtime listeners know how big of a fan that I've always been of Samoa Joe. And the question would always come up here on the show by you, the listeners. Man, do you ever see Samoa Joe as a world heavyweight champion? And my answer was always the same, which was if Samoa Joe can stay healthy because he's getting up there in age and everything. He unfortunately came to the WWE rather late in his career. But I said, look, if the man can stay healthy for a good long stretch, then yeah, he could be a world heavyweight champion. And as his tenure progressed in WWE and the injuries continued to pile up, my answer was still the same. But I also added in addition to that, yeah, he'll be a world heavyweight champion, just not in WWE. Shout out if you remember me saying that. And now we've got this case where I know for the longest time, Samoa Joe had really took his time getting back into the ring and everything. I know that was large in part to WWE as they were wanting to transition him completely away from wrestling, get him involved in commentary, maybe try to get him involved in a uh, production slash producer uh, role for making matches and all of that. But that just wasn't something he was interested in as he felt that he still had a lot left in the tank. So, Father Time, all things considered, very kind to Samoa Joe and ultimately having this guy take his ball and come to AEW and everything. And I, I got to tell you, not since really his days in in TNA has Samoa Joe, and I'm continuing to knock on wood for the brother, uh, has he been on such a good run and everything. So You know, if you're a fan of Samoa Joe, you're definitely looking at this moment in his career, especially at this stage in his career, where if he can continue to remain healthy, this man is looking most likely at anywhere between three to five more years of wrestling before. Okay, I I think I might go ahead and hang it up here or, or maybe I will just drastically limit my schedule and I'm really just going to be doing, you know, whatever, 52 weeks out of the year or or, no, no. uh, Maybe I'll do 20 weeks out of the year for wrestling and and whatnot. Right. But you're looking at this, you're going, Hey, this is a really cool moment for Samoa Joe. At the same time, when you're looking at this moment, you feel so deflated as a wrestling fan because you're going, wait a minute, this came out of nowhere. This, was not what I was expecting right down to the point, the live crowd that was there in attendance at long Island, New York, the NASA Coliseum shout out to the New York fans out there. I see Vladimir, the WWE super fan was there in attendance. It's funny because we were here a couple of nights ago, live on the show. And I had asked the question if Vladimir had attended Madison square garden for that CM punk event. And I was wondering if you all remember, I I said it out loud. I said, I wonder how he's doing because I know his health problems over the recent years has been getting to him and everything. So it was a great fan moment to see Vladimir was in the house for tonight's AEW World's End pay-per-view and everything. But 
you know, you see all this with Samoa Joe, you're processing it. We're all just gasping, wondering like, damn, what the hell? And I'm, I got to give Tony Khan and AEW a lot of credit here. Had the pay-per-view ended on that note, that would have been really, really bad. I feel that would have been bad because you can hear the fans in attendance begin to chant bull. You begin to hear that and you're going, no, 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 no. This is not the type of reaction. No, this is not the way you want to go off the air. We need more. We definitely need a lot more to this. So I like the fact that after it was all said and done, Samoa Joe making his exit, and then you've got Adam Cole coming in there, checking in on MJF, letting him know, hey, man, these people, they're still behind you. I'm still behind you. You know, it's all good, man. You can come back from this. You'll be back. You'll be stronger than ever at everything. And you've got MJF, who is just, it's obvious he's devastated, right? He had one of the longest reigns in AEW history, okay, to date. And it's over just like that. Like, seriously, what is next for MJF and everything? You can definitely make an argument that all things considered with this current arc for MJF, again, running on fumes as far as that gas, that gas tank of his goes. He's running on fumes. He no longer has gas in the tank. He is running on fumes, right? You can make an argument, well, MJF was not at 100%. Hey, if this would have been a well-rested MJF, a 100% healed up MJF, you can make an argument, oh, yeah, he probably would have gotten the best of Samoa Joe. Maybe time will tell, right? So you've got Adam Cole consoling his friend when the lights go out, and, you know... I've already told you guys how I feel about the lights going out because at this point you're going, is there a technical difficulty? Uh, Is the house of black getting ready to come out? Is maybe Julia Hart getting ready to make an appearance? Uh, You know, what's, what's going on here, right? Like who's going to, you know, what's going to go down during this whole black lights out segment, as I like to call it, but the lights, uh, you know, they, they actually, you know what? The lights didn't go off yet. They did go off, but they did have the lights on when we saw the maxed men, the devil's worshipers, as I like to call them, the devil's stable, the entourage. They had appeared circling the ring. Adam Cole grabbing his crutches, ready to throw down with his buddy MJF right beside him. They go in there. They just manhandle the hell out of Adam Cole and MJF strong armed the hell out of them. Uh, it looks like it was about to be a good fellas sniping moment here. Uh, as we see Adam Cole say, no, hit me instead. Go ahead and hit me instead. And uh, we see one of the men whose physique looked very, very familiar. I, I got to admit, I'm not just saying this now that we know the identities, but to the person that was holding the steel chair and was looking on at Adam Cole almost said they, I think I'll take you up on this offer. I'm going, yo, that physique looks so damn familiar. That looks like Roderick Strong's physique, particularly I was looking around the shoulder area 
for some of you, you may go, damn, that's a reach. But no, if you go back and watch, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Just the the way he was standing, the whole posture and everything. I'm like, it kind of seemed like Roderick Strong holding on to that steel chair. And we see the chair being raised and that's when the lights go out. Now you're kind of going, what are we going to get right here? Right. Well, what exactly is going to go down? And lights come back on. Now we see that it's Adam Cole sitting in the chair, looking on at MJF, who's still being uh, held as MJF cannot believe what's going on here. Uh, We see uh, all the uh, men, the devil worshipers, they unmax themselves. So now we see that the men that have aligned themselves with Adam Cole, it's his kingdom buddies in Matt Taven, Mike Bennett bought a new addition to this stable, Wardlow. I thought it was interesting that Wardlow, Wardlow kind of gave you guys a little bit of a preview as well because somehow his appearance at the pay-per-view tonight was brought up and the question was asked if he was going to be there and he said something like, no man, I'm in London and you're going... Why even respond to that? Like, seriously, that that just, I thought that was an odd comment. I got to be honest with you guys. I thought it was a rather odd comment, but Adam, uh, MJF looking on disheartened. He cannot believe what has happened. Uh, he begins to charge at Adam Cole and the stable beats the holy crap out of him. Now, if my memory serves right, I don't recall Adam Cole getting physical. It was the rest of the guys from the Kingdom Stable that was getting physical on MJF. Uh, and that's pretty much how we went off the air. So I like that what looked as though what was going to be the ending was Samoa Joe getting that clean win. And you're going, damn, this is some BS. What the hell? You go off the air creating some significant buzz going into your next week of AEW programming. Number one question being, what is going on here with Adam Cole? Why did he do what he did? Also, what's going to happen here with MJF is MJF, if you're following the storyline, is MJF going to come out a madman possessed on Wednesday's Dynamite or physically being so hurt mentally emotionally as well is this going to be a case where mjf is just going to go away for a while and we just don't know when he'll be back there's a lot of my whole point tony khan and crew are in a very very good position right here where they have options that's my whole point they have options and they really need to take their time at this point and uh figure out for long-term storytelling, you know, what's the best thing that they can execute. Now, some of you guys may say, well, Lee, if it was up to you, what would you do, dog? How would you have this set up? I would say what we saw of MJF, that's it. Like MJF has just gone dark. MJF isn't saying anything on social media. MJF isn't doing any interviews. Uh, you know, you can reference the footage from what happened with tonight's pay-per-view, but as far as 
nothing. You can have Renee Picat in them, Tony Schiavone, all of them. You can let that be a case where he's gone rogue. Nobody is able to get in touch with him. Nobody is able to get in touch with him. Uh, not even Tony Khan. You know, let that be the the running story arc. You know, that's basically it. Let that feed into the battle, the war for 2024 as far as MJF services and all that. I would love it if somebody in AEW could put something out that basically says as of January 1st, MJF is a free agent. I would love it if they did something along those lines or whatever. Let the wrestling websites run with that, all that good stuff. That would be pretty badass if they operated in that fashion. If you're just now joining us via YouTube, we've literally spent 31 minutes talking about the main event match, the devil, all that stuff. There's a really cool feature that you have at your disposal. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can rewind it all the way to the beginning. And we actually go over who the devil was and and all that good stuff. So you can easily catch up that way. And then when you're ready to catch up in real time, you can just fast forward and join us live in progress. But they've got plenty of options of storytelling that they could do. But that is specifically how I would handle MJF. I would purposely leak out some information that he's now a free agent as of January 1st, 2024. No interviews he's doing. Just, just do it just like that. The very last burning image that you see of MJF was what you had saw tonight. At the end of the pay-per-view. That's it. And let the entire world think that they know what's going to be happening with MJF. Let them think that he's going to be going on over to the WWE. Let them think that, right? Now, if you're asking me straight up, hey, you know, what do I think about MJF? Is MJF truly leaving AEW? I don't think so. I don't think so in all honesty. I feel that MJF will be staying in AEW. I feel that maybe there was already some type of a handshake deal that was done many months ago. Would not be surprised if something was done last year uh, to continue to acquire the services of MJF. And uh, that at this point, they are just having fun. Uh, with the wrestling community. That's what I honestly think. Uh, you know, that's how I think, it, you know, as far as MJF leaving AEW goes, I think that's already been taken care of. He ain't going nowhere. I got to be honest with you. I would be very shocked to hear that MJF officially, officially, you know, no, no joking, no storylines, no BS. I really am a free agent. I'm weighing my options. I would truly be shocked if 2024 had saw MJF going to the WWE. You guys can sound off based on everything I've just said so far. You guys can sound off and let me know what you think in regards to that. Now, one other thing that I want to tackle here because it, 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 you know, I see this being brought up all the damn time by people. And it pisses me off to no end when I see this argument. And if anybody wants to take it personal, then take it personal. I don't care. But this whole thing about, you know, all these champions that are 
you know, up there in age. We got this guy that's in their 40s. Uh, we got this woman in her 40s that is holding on to a championship. Look, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. At the end of the day, most, see, this is, you got to think from a business standpoint. At the end of the day, most mofos that are running their own company, whether you want to talk pro wrestling or you want to talk the world of entertainment, you want to talk sports, you want to talk literature, man, if you've got the talents and you can be so charismatic, so captivating, so engaging that you're able to bring in that audience, age don't mean nothing when the skill, the ability is there. I care more about quality than quantity. That's what I care about at the end of the day, right? So, you know, I, I'd hate to see you guys that keep saying, you know, oh, well, these, these champions that's in their 40s. I, I would hate to see you guys in your 40s and you decide, okay, you know what? I want to go pursue this as a career. I want to go. I want to go try to do this. And you know you're capable of doing it. You know you can do it well. And you have people say to you, oh, you can't do that, man. You're, man, you're too old for that. You're too old for that. Go ahead, man. Let me tell you something, man. Let me tell you something. This is real talk right here. I remember when the pandemic had went down. And... I had a really nice, comfortable job working in marketing research. Had did it for 10 years. I organized focus groups, moderated some of them. Everything that you guys are doing as far as video games, TV shows, movies, I organized focus groups and uh, collected all the data, you know, responses from participants. And it was a fun job. I loved interacting with all different types of people. And I met many different types of people. But when the pandemic had hit, it really had hurt our industry, particularly right down to the point that the company that I worked for, which was a monk pa marketing research company, they couldn't afford to continue to pay us our respected salaries, you know, because they were coming out of their pockets trying to retain us during those months where you know, we're unsure, you know, what's going to happen here with this pandemic and everything. And ultimately there was a huge turnover rate. And I had to look at myself in the mirror and go, okay, so what's next? Like, obviously I've got to find a J-O-B ASAP, but as far as a career path goes, like, where do I go from here? I thought I was set in marketing, but you know, obviously like, and I tried to still stay in marketing, but all the other firms were pretty much experiencing the same hardship. And so I had a talk with my family and the decision was made, look, why not go back to college? Why not resume your degree in journalism and broadcast media? And, you know, you've always been playing around with that for years. You already know how to edit audio, edit video. Why not go back and you know what my excuse was? The same goddamn narrative that a lot of you wrestling fans put out there. All oh, these people that's in their 40s and, and all that crap. I put that out there. 
And my family, God bless my wife particularly, she was like, that's a cop-out. That's a cop-out. Just go in there, put in the work. And I remember that, that very first semester of classes that I was doing. I remember one of my professors who I had befriended early on, who I'm uh, still uh, friends with today. Matter of fact, I just recently had took one of her classes uh, for this past semester. I remember way back then, um, because we were doing these classes that were remote, and I remember at one point, it was our final class, and we all were just, anything that came to our minds that we wanted to just say to the class. And I remember I complimented the class, and I told them, I said, you know, you made this guy who is, you know, returning to continue their education so late in life, I really felt as though this was a young person's game and that I was greatly at a disadvantage that I had no business even pursuing this. And I wondered whether or not I could keep up. And I remember my professor came in afterwards after I was done talking and she said, age ain't nothing but a number. If you got the ability, you can put in the work. She was like, and then she, she left me with this thought. She said, Lee, do you know the age of the oldest president? I said, not offhand, no. And she goes, well, research it. I was like, do you know the age of the youngest president of the United States? I was like, no, I don't know that. And she was like, well, I know the answer, but you need to. Right? And her whole point was, don't let age be the excuse from stopping you to go do X, Y, Z. I look at guys like LA Knight, that's freaking killing it. I look at CJ Perry, who is continuing to do a phenomenal job as a wrestling valet slash manager. And she's 38 years old. She, you know, 40 for her is just around the corner. Samoa Joe is putting in some of his very best work right now in the company. Okay. What other names do you want to throw at me? Because, oh, these guys, they're, they're so, they're so old. Like, and that's the other thing, 40, all of a sudden we're acting like 40 is 65 years old. Like get the hell out of here. There are some really, I will say this though. There are some really good wrestlers that are, you show me a 40 year old wrestler that man, this guy can still go like our truth, for example, Lord knows our truth is way past 40 and that guy can still go out there, bust his ass, entertain on the microphone, throw it down in the ring with the best of them. But then we can take somebody like a Chris Jericho who, oof, right, <laughs> right. That's like, that's like a whole different topic, but you guys get the point. So please guys, before you Put it out there and open your mouth and you talk about age. First of all, ask yourself how old you are, right? And even if you're somebody, you know, it's weird because I noticed that a lot of the people that always complain about these people in their 40s, they aren't even in that age group. Because let me tell you something, when you've hit that respected age group that I'm talking about, you start looking at the world entirely different. You do, especially as far as, you know, man, can I still keep up with, even if you're not doing something physically, just mentally, you're going, can I still keep up with 
you know, XYZ uh, mofos and everything. Just something to think about. That's the main event. That is everything that had uh, went down there with the devil. Let's tackle some of these matches that had went down during the zero hour. We're going to be able to burn through a lot <laughs> The RCWR Show. It's, it's stupid. With Lee Sanders. Hey there, sweet tooth. Are you ready to elevate your snacking game? Look no further than Candy Kingdom, the ultimate destination for freeze-dried candy. At Candy Kingdom, we've mastered the art of freeze-drying to bring you a taste sensation like never before. Our candies are crispy, crunchy, and bursting with flavor. Find them at CandyKingdomDT.com. That's CandyKingdomDT.com. One more time, CandyKingdomDT.com. And now, now, back to the great talk of wrestling, entertainment, and beyond since 2011 you're listening to the rcwr show with lee sanders during the zero hour we're going to be able to burn through a lot of this i'm trying to stretch it out as best as i can in case you guys uh weren't really able to tell but i promise you like from here on now we're just gonna be banging it banging it banging it banging it out uh big time here all right so zero hour some of the matches that we had go down on there. Chris Statlander, and I watched all of Zero Hour as far as the matches go. Chris Statlander taking on Willow Nightingale. Willow Nightingale picking up the win. Um, I, I got to say, a decent matchup between both girls. But there was a significant amount of botches that was going on here. There was some sloppiness in here. And look, when it's all said and done, I know Willow, not that I'm defending her, but I've seen enough Willow matches to know that Willow trying to pick up a woman that is much taller than her. And I say this this next part respectfully now, but I'm sure Chris Statlander would agree, uh, you know, weighs a bit more than the typical girls that Willow Nightingale typically likes to showcase her strength and, you know, look at all this great stuff that she can do. Oh, she's such a good, strong powerhouse and everything. Uh, yeah, this was a, a match that had some awkward sloppiness uh, to it and everything. Uh, but still, I felt that it was a decent match. I didn't mind it being part of Zero Hour. It was definitely worthy for being on Zero Hour. Okay, for sure. But good stuff. Good good stuff. I, I, I liked it. I'm always a sucker for Chris Statlander. I'm a sucker for Willow Nightingale. Uh, I know Hulk, uh, Stokely Hathaway. I know he is continuing to circle around Chris Statlander, hoping that maybe he can acquire her services I hope that in regards to Chris Statlander, Tony Khan and crew, I think they can have something really special here with Chris Statlander if they do it right. I honestly don't flip her. Do not turn her heel. You don't need to. I think it's a really cool thing that they've got going on with Chris Statlander. If anything, she just needs to continue to have that mean streak 
be exploited a little more. So if you maybe want to continue to incorporate Stokely Hathaway and eventually maybe something does come about where in story these two form a uh, a union, uh, I, I would say just let it be a case where he's able to enhance and heighten uh, and, and really expand the mean streak of Chris Statlander, but she is still a baby face at her core and everything. And she's not doing uh heel like things. Right. Um, I especially like it when she comes out and she's doing the whole sign language. Uh, it reminds me so much. I, I'm kind of showing my age a little bit, but it reminds me so much of the Carol Burnett show. Shout out. If you guys ever watched the Carol Burnett show, but you know, Carol Burnett, when she would do her show, you know, she would always do certain sign gestures, I believe, to her mother, uh, who would always watch the show, you know, from the comfort of her home and everything. And I just think it's a really cool thing that Chris Statlander does every time she comes out and she's, you know, doing a quick form of of sign language and everything. And, um, you know, I, I, stuff like that and just everything that's been happening with the Chris Statlander character thus far in 2023 you don't need to do a hard 180 and go in a different direction with her. I personally feel now, if some of you guys are feeling a little bit different about that sign sound off, let me know. Also during zero hour, we got a video package showing us the return of Serena Deeb. Uh, she's going to be coming back. I, I like how they presented her. You know, they basically had her in this cool straight jacket and she was trying to figure out a way to, get out of it and everything. And, and as we know, she's pretty much been dubbing herself the professor slash the, you know, the, the woman of a thousand holds or a thousand moves or whatever. Right. Cool. Right. So I know she had a little bit of a health scare uh, earlier this year and, you know, she wasn't in a really good place uh, health wise, but you know, now she's okay. And that is fantastic uh, to hear and everything. Uh, but yes, the woman of a thousand holds the Houdini, uh, if you will. Uh, she is ready to return to the women's division. So I'm looking forward to that. We had the 20 man battle royale for a shot at the AEW TNT championship. As far as your participants, from what all I was able to see, forgive me in advance if I'm forgetting somebody, but Dalton Castle, Kill Switch, uh, Luchasaurus. Uh, Brian Keith, Lance Archer, Darius Martin, Kip Sabian, Johnny TV, Johnny Mundo, John Morrison, Serpentenko, Fallen Angel, Christopher Daniels, The Blade, The Butcher, Action Andrade, Matt Menard, Angelo Parker, Rocky Romero, John Silver, Trent Beretta, uh, Alex Reynolds, Dan Housen. I kind of feel like I'm forgetting a couple of other people uh, in there, but just off the break, those were the names that I, I could recall seeing in there and everything. Uh, the person that won it was Kill Switch. So you're seeing that and you're going, okay, so what's the real story going to be here as we go into that main event match? Well, one of your main event matches later on for the TNT Championship. Christian Cage taking on Adam Copeland. Obviously, Kill Switch is going to get the winner of definitely be a more intriguing story if it's Kill Switch and Christian Cage, right? I mean, obviously, we got to see how this is going to play out and everything. But 
a typical battle royale match uh, when it's all said and done. Uh, but I tell you what, Trent Beretta, it was looking as though maybe Trent was going to pull this off. I got to tell you, it looked as though he was maybe just maybe going to pull this off and everything. But I love seeing Dan Housen in there and he was just cursing the hell out of people left and right and everything. It just seemed like everything was falling in place for a dark horse. That would have been very intriguing. That would have been very intriguing to see Dan Housen win. Cause I've been wanting to see Dan Housen not only get more TV time, but get more uh, singles matches under his belt. Even if he's at the receiving end of defeats, I would have preferred to see Dan Housen in that position. Cause you know, it's just a big part of me. I, I've said this for the longest and I, I don't know how many of you guys are familiar with Sven but Dan Housen reminds me so much of Sven that, you know, I love that whole quirkiness uh, about him and everything. FTW championship, FTW rules match. Hook defending against Wheeler Yuta. Wheeler Yuta fresh off of defending his ROH Pure Championship uh, on this week's episode of Rampage. Which, by the way, in case you guys don't know, every Friday night, unless otherwise, because sometimes... I will have a scheduling conflict with work, but that's extremely, extremely rare. But typically every Friday night over on the 411 Mania site, you can catch me providing live coverage and review of Rampage as it's in progress. And I felt that this uh, past Friday's Rampage, look, it was a three-match show because you had got three matches total. It was a three-match show, but you really stuck around for the uh, ROH Pure Rules match, because it was between Wheeler Yuta. Uh, I'm trying to think, who did he defend against? Uh, the name is escaping me right now. Wheeler Yuta. I'm just trying to. It, what? No, it wasn't Daniel Garcia. It wasn't Daniel Garcia. Bear with me a second. And if you guys want to maybe jog my memory, you want to pop something up in the. Uh, in the chat real quick, you can do that, but I might be able to pull it up. Yep. I'm looking at the article right now. That's okay, guys. I'm looking at the article right now. I'm trying to think here who it was. Cause it was a three match giant. And I thought it was a smart move to have Wheeler Yuta out there and defend the championship, you know, get a dub, build up some momentum basically as we were going into World's End and everything. I thought it was a, a nice touch what they did. Matt Seidel. Matt Seidel. Yeah, that's what it was. It was Matt Seidel. So who had a really good outing against Wheeler Yuta on Rampage. And then, of course, uh, the main event match on Rampage, that was Cassidy. Trent Beretta, Rocky Romero taking on top flight. That was pretty damn good as well. Uh, but Wheeler Yuta taking on Hook for the FTW championship. Hook still retaining the title. It was a nice, fun brawl when it was all said and done. Uh, I like the fact that at this point during Zero Hour, because it seemed like the crowd needed some type of a jolt, and when this FTW match went down, it seemed like this was the match to really not only charge up the crowd, but basically, hey, yo, the pay-per-view is like literally right around the corner. Like, this is it. This is it, right? This is your last zero-hour pre-show matchup. And then we're going straight into 
the pay-per-view here. Uh, this was a this was a, a good way to close out your pre-show action and everything. It was decent, perfect fit for zero hour. No complaints about this one whatsoever. Now we go over to the main show, which was at the start, the eight-man tag team match. Brody King, Jay Lethal, Jay White, and Roosh taking on Brian Danielson, Claudio Casanogli, Daniel Garcia, and Mark Briscoe. The team of Brian Danielson, Casanogli, Garcia, Briscoe picking up the win here. Nice, fun opener. By the way, my dinner for tonight, I, I got to tell you, man, my wife, she hooked it up. Yeah, it's funny because we were talking yesterday. Let me let me take a good sip of this too. This is some really good stuff. Mm. Trying a new uh, fruity drink. I got to be careful with my diabetes and everything, but I, I and also I don't want to feel wasted, right? So, wifey got us some some uh, pre mixed cocktail drink, something from the Malibu cocktail line. I'm drinking a strawberry daiquiri. And uh, I got to tell you, it, it's pretty good. I highly recommend it. You can't drink them off the break. You definitely got to put them in the fridge, let them get nice and cold. They taste really, really good cold uh, as they start to get a little bit warm. Not as good and everything. Uh, but wifey hooked it up. Uh, we were talking last night and uh, she was like, do you have to do a pay-per-view this weekend or something? I said, yeah, unfortunately. And she's like, mm. I was like, yeah, no, no. I was like, but look, you know. We'll be able to catch up with one another. Like, you know, don't don't trip and everything. And so uh, she got in tonight and she decided to make dinner. And uh, she made some really good French fries. Uh, and she made some really good uh, chopped up uh, steak ribeye meat. Chopped it up really good. And uh, grilled some buns and took some mozzarella cheese. And she made some really good uh, sliders out of it. Some damn, damn good stuff. So I was enjoying that. And uh, having a couple of sakis while I was watching the official start of this pay-per-view card and everything. Um, you know what? This match, considering that all the participants in this were men that we had been watching throughout these past couple of weeks in the AEW Continental Classic Tournament. Uh, this was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, and... I love the ending. I thought the ending was straight fire. Uh, everybody looked good in this one. Everybody looked as though they belonged, right? It's so weird because they all complimented each other very well as tag team partners. And the action, I mean, the synergy was just off the freaking charts here. Everything Considering how great of a success I felt and, and many of you all wrestling fans felt that the Continental Classic was because of the participants that was in it. And then to basically see the same participants again, but this time they're in a tag team match uh, against each other. I thought it was just a nice, sweet, poetic way to put a pretty little ribbon on the Continental Classic tournament, not to mention later on in the night. Eddie Kingston, John Moxley, right? So, yeah, I, I like this for all intents and purposes. I thought this was pretty good. I thought it was a damn smart move that they made sure that it was Daniel Garcia that had picked up the win 
Uh, he actually had countered Jay Lethal's lethal injection from off the ropes, um, got him with the jackknife, and was pretty much able to pick up the win for his team. Uh, I liked it. I, I love that afterwards, Mark Briscoe was one of the first people to rush over to uh, Daniel Garcia and gave him a nice big hug. And he even started doing the hip dancing with him. Meanwhile, you had Claudio Casanogli and Danielson. They're looking on at Garcia. And it was just kind of one of those, you're, you're waiting because you're like, okay, what's what's going to happen here? Like, what, are these guys really going to be mad that they weren't the ones that got the win for the team? Or, you know, what exactly is going on here? And soon after tensions, whatever you want to call it, had died down, you know, we see them embrace Garcia. They show him love and everything. And it was just so interesting how Gar- uh, Garcia particularly got a long stare. He got that long thousand yard stare by Brian Danielson. As Danielson just kind of nodded his head a little bit. And you're wondering, huh, are, are, is there something more to that? Because sometimes, right, in wrestling, we'll, we'll get a little bit of a nod and it kind of leaves you wondering, trying to tell us something here. I can't help but wonder if what could potentially be next for Daniel Garcia, if maybe Brian Danielson comes up to Garcia and goes, hey, man, you know, you know, I've been watching you for the longest time. Like, is he maybe going to try to court him again and say, why not join the Blackpool Combat Club? You know, but then also remember, we got Matt Menard. Matt Menard has been the biggest cheerleader for Daniel Garcia as of late, right? A lot of things has not been going right for Matt Menard, but I tell you what, man, anytime he is able to get a front row seat and he's able to check out his boy, Daniel Garcia, he is the biggest freaking cheerleader and everything, right? So I'm kind of wondering where exactly are we going here in 2024 with Daniel Garcia? But I definitely, when it's all said and done, as far as 2024, I know I said I'd get into it on Monday's show, but as far as preview and predictions for 2024, Daniel Garcia, big singles breakout year, 2024, mark it down, mark it down for sure. Andrade taking on Miro. A lot of buzz here on Andrade. Uh, I think it was the good folks, the good folks over at Fightful, I believe PW Insider as well, hearing these reports that allegedly, I say allegedly, Andrade getting ready to wrap things up with AEW, possibly heading back to WWE. Right. Like there's just so much that's in the air right now. Like, you know, just not really sure what's going on here, but you got to put that in the rearview mirror. That'll play itself out how it's going to play itself out. But this was to follow up on that eight man tag match opener with Andrade and Miro. I freaking love this. I love this, especially the little things like CJ Perry just continuing to curse up a storm on her husband, Miro. Right. I like at one point how CJ is clapping on because she's just loving the great work from Andrade. And Miro says something to the effect of, you should be cheering for me, your husband. And CJ's like, you know, she actually says, F- you. <laughs> I love this. She's like, you asshole. I loved just the little things like that 
was just when you are doing that fine attention to detail of storytelling, you know, you, you can't teach that. You just you got to be in the moment. You got to have the experience. Right. But you definitely have to be feeling that moment that you're in and just going with the flow, whatever comes to mind. And this was as far as paying fine attention to the little things. I thought that Miro, even Andrade, because even when Andrade was doing certain things really cool, he'd look over at CJ, glance at her and, you know, do that little nod smile. And she's looking right back, giving him the thumbs up and everything and giving that nod, you know, even at one point, uh, I remember the action spilled out to ringside and uh, the two of them did a little dab thing or whatever. There was there was like an, an embrace, not a hug. It was just kind of one of those, I see you, I see you doing your thing. I like what I see. Keep it up. Keep it one of those type of things. I love when you have all of that at play compared to, again, we're talking about fine things in detail. Swerve Strickland, Dustin Rhodes. We'll get there, but I, I mean, just some of the the lacking and fine detail in that matchup. Spoiler alert, wasn't the fault of Swerve Strickland at all. You're right. But Miro picking up the win, 15 minutes, 13 seconds, making Andrade Idolo uh, tap out. Love how this match was set up. I appreciate the fact that they made sure that this wasn't going to be no glorified uh, squash match. Because a lot of people, I don't know why, but a lot of people had predicted that this was going to be a squash match. I, I guess they were essentially saying, yo, Meryl's just going to come out, and he's going to be so gun-ho over the fact that CJ is representing Andrade, and the only person that needs to be represented is him, as far as Miro is concerned, right? So I guess maybe a lot of people are kind of, you know, looking at it that way and, and, and everything, but you know, it, it's weird. It, it's weird. What's also kind of weird about this current arc right now is we're continuing to see CJ Perry, even though she is, Hey, my clients, Hey, stay away from my clients, my clients, this, my clients, that, you know, we see her quietly rooting Miro on and everything. And I can get some people looking at that and, and, and saying, okay, well, this is kind of lame as hell because why is, well, two things can be said that's true, right? CJ Perry, in a game of chess, in a game of chess, CJ Perry could honestly be saying, okay, I'm doing what I'm doing because I'm trying to light a fire under my husband's ass. And if this is the way I'm able to successfully do that, then I'm going to continue to mess with his head if it means that he's going to continue to be able to string those W's together because it's all about cash, money, and them championships, right? So in a game of chess, CJ could be thinking a couple of moves of ahead of Miro, right? What good is the fun in games if you already know the rules, right? Then you're just going to be lazadaic as a days ago or whatever, right? You're going to be lazy, right? Uh, right. Now, nah, I don't know about that. I don't know about that, right? So if you really stop and think about it, what CJ and Miro is doing right now, you know, this, this interesting game that they're playing, 
you know, you, you can almost look at this and say, from a couple's perspective, what a nice way to spice up the life, right? Seriously, our relationship is missing a little bit of zest. Well, uh, I'll tell you what, I'll just pretend that I'm with this other man and and uh, that should get you pissed off, right? I'll kill them, right? You know, whatever. AW Women's World Championship, Tony Storm defending against Rio. By the way, how y'all doing? You, you guys good tonight? I hope your Saturday night is good before I go any further into the show. And we're just uh, a little bit over the hour mark at this point. I told you guys we were going to be blazing through the rest of these matches. Uh, hope your Saturday is good. Hope that you're going to be uh, getting ready for New Year's like I am. Uh, remember, if you're going to be drinking, don't drink and drive. You got so many options going into New Year's. Utilize them. There's no excuse. I want to hear from you all in 2024. Tony Storm, still your AEW Women's Champion, 11 minutes, 46 seconds. Um, it looked like Tony Storm had bust out a new finisher uh, there because in the final moments here, it uh, looks like she did some type of a modified uh, neck breaker. I mean, it was it was really badass. I was ready for that, you know, give me my close-up shot. I was ready for Homegirl to go in with the freaking, uh, you know, the nice hip attacks. Usually she, I think, ends the matches with the hip attack. I was ready to see that go down, but no, she, she didn't do that. She did this modified neck breaker thing, and it looked good. I'm looking at that move. I'm going... Okay, yeah, you definitely need to make that be your new go-to finisher. What the hell? Let's go there, right? So I don't think anybody's really surprised right here that Tony Storm is still the uh, TBS, uh, I'm sorry, A AEW Women's Champion. I don't think anybody's really surprised um, at that, to be perfectly honest with you. Um I loved that the way that they were trying to tell the story here with Rio is that Rio, you just never know because she's a veteran of the game. You know, when you, when you have her down and out, this girl knows how to just come from out of nowhere and pull the upset victory. So I, I love that they had a very serious title defense here for Tony Storm, you know, uh, against uh, Rio here. Uh, great showcasing Rio's resilience, it's something that's been uh, a trading, uh, a calling card, if you will, of Rio uh, in her matches and everything. Um, Luther continuing to have some really good moments here. Him as this Butler, I'm loving it. Yeah, it's it's a great joint for him. I'm loving it. Mariah May came out shortly afterwards and was scattering rose petals around Tony Storm in celebration. Meanwhile, Lexi Nair was chatting it up with Dante Martin. Uh, Martin, of course, top flight. They are fresh off of their victory from Rampage. And the way things are looking right now, they are about to be a nice, good force as far as future challengers go for ROH or AEW trios titles goes and everything. But he talked about how he's doing great. Talks about how some of his injuries had set him back and everything. And then Orange Cassidy enters. 
and Dante tells Cassidy he needs that title, Cassidy says to him straight up, well, try to see what you can do on this coming week's Dynamite. So challenge put out there and accepted. Dante Martin taking on Orange Cassidy for, what is it, the... uh, God, what title is it that Orange Cassidy has? I'm like, I know Christian Cage has the TNT championship, the AEW Intercontinental uh, Championship. That's what it is. After a while, you like start to forget like what title is what. Swerve Strickland taking on the natural Dustin Rhodes. Okay, so for those of you that had missed it, especially those of you that didn't watch the pay-per-view, Keith Lee was supposed to take on Swerve Strickland. But Keith Lee had revealed on social media that there is a nagging injury that he's been dealing with for some months now and that he thought he was managing it well, but things got worse in the uh, past couple of weeks. And originally he put out a post saying, look, we'll see what happens. We'll see if I can If I can make it, you know, keep your fingers crossed and let's see what happens. And I guess that wasn't enough for Tony Khan or or, and or maybe somehow Tony Khan had became aware of what Keith Lee had put out there. So, look, Keith Lee apparently got checked out and the trainers basically decided, yeah, Keith, just chill, dog. You just sit this one out. Just keep healing up. So Dustin Rhodes sliding right on in here. Now, before the match even began, we saw Swerve Strickland just go right after Dustin Rhodes, attacking the hell out of him, focusing on his ankle, basically setting up a nice uh, cinder block and, I mean, just messing that ankle up big time, big time. I'm looking at that ankle spot. I'm going, well... So much for that match. So what else we got? And I love how Swerve kept playing up to the camera going, this could have been you. This could have been you. This should have been you, right? Right? He's sending the message there to Keith Lee and everything. You know, one thing that the commentators kind of did not do a good job echoing over and over again is the fact that Keith Lee, Dustin Rhodes... You know, they were a tag team. You know, they are friends, like really play that up and everything. Uh, They didn't do that. They did not do that. All they basically, hey, Dustin Rose stepping up to the plate, you know, filling in for Keith Lee. You know, it's like, come on, you can do a little bit more than that, right? Seriously, you can do a lot more than that. So the fact that Swerve Strickland made things so gratuitous and personal there, with Dustin Rhodes, obviously because of his history with Keith Lee. Like, you're appreciating how all of this is going down. And then you're seeing the officials, Kerry, uh, Dustin, taking him up the ramp, and Dustin's looking back like that poor little kid that got his football taken away from the kid that's three times his size. (laughs) (laughs) right he's like i'm gonna tell my mother right like 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 mom's really gonna do something right but you know it's one of those cases where you're going okay so this is over and and that's fine right that's fine but then dustin rose decides no 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 i'm gonna continue on with this i i I want it so he's limping his way 
back into this and you're just going, okay, this is comical, but okay, whatever, whatever. And I just at this point was going, can we just end this already? Because now we're starting to get really comical. And it got so comical because Dustin stopped selling that injured leg. I I put out a post as I tweeted out, look, in storyline, you put a mofo's foot, ankle, right? You take a cinder block to it. Mofo need to be acting like they just got amputated, okay? They need to act like their just got amputated, Right? They need to be grimacing. You know, they need to be limping around constantly. They need to be letting out some shrieks of pain. Okay. And Dustin was not doing any of that. It was one of those deals where maybe he's just limping for about 10 seconds and then he's spending three minutes on the good foot, just, you know, ah, ah, suplex, ah, you know, power slam, you know, just ah, crossroads. It's just like, come on, really? So I, I was not liking uh, the psychology that was coming from out of this match on the side, particularly of Dustin Rhodes. I thought Swerve Strickland was doing everything he was supposed to, especially when he was going in and focusing on that damaged ankle of Dustin Rhodes. And, and Dustin Rhodes, what is Dustin Rhodes doing? At one point, we see Swerve Strickland get in a half Boston Crab on that same injured leg. And what is freaking Dustin Rhodes doing? He's just he's just grinding his teeth. He's laying on his stomach. He's grinding his teeth and he's not letting out any type of shrieks of pain whatsoever. There should have been a ah 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 you know freaking do the the old man godfather beheaded horse in between his legs, the bottom of his feet. Like come on, seriously? It was just like, did somebody cut out your freaking tongue? What's going on here? I, I I did not like this. I did not like this matchup whatsoever. Um, I thought, honestly, this was a disservice to the point that I felt that if Keith Lee would have been able to go out here and have this match with Swerve Strickland, it would have been 10 times better than um, what we had got with Dustin Rhodes. Right. I just can't help but think about Lefisto and everything that had went down in her interactions with Dustin. And, you know, it's kind of one of those. Well, apparently somebody don't stink, huh? OK, well, go on out there and let me pull up that Barry White song. Practice what you preach. And I'm just going Okay, yeah, you know, as far as the fundamentals go and everything, but like, what about emotional context? What what about that? To quote Bruce Lee, what about emotional context, right? Every single time Swerve was going for the foot and everything, right? And the finish to the match, I didn't appreciate the finish to the match. Now, you would have thought that the finish would have been Swerve is just going to keep going for that ankle because there's blood. Okay, there's freaking blood. He is a shark in the water. He freaking smells the blood. He's going for it. He's just going for it. If if it ain't dead yet, the kill is definitely coming. And the finish just basically saw Swerve Strickland go up to the top rope, do the freaking double stomp. It's not even the double stomp onto the ankle. It's just basically the double stomp onto the you know upper midsection body. 
of Dustin. And the match is basically over. And you're like, I love Swerve. That's my man. That's my man's in them. But yeah, no, no, that that just I, I, I wasn't right. You have a cinder block explode over this man's ankle. Before the match started. And Dustin is just when he freaking feels like it. Ow. Ooh. Limp, limp. Ooh. You know, I, this was just this was bad. This was really, really bad. Seriously. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Keith Lee, I can't wait to see you back, brother. That's all I got to say. Meanwhile, Chris Jericho, I would have to say that was probably like high point, low point. This was definitely the low point. This was the low point. I have to tell you guys, this was the low point. Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, Sting, Darby Allen, taking on Ricky Starks, Big Bill, Powerhouse Hobbs, Takesha. You already know which team won this, right? Come on. Come on, say it with me. One, two, three. Sting! Picking up the win. Come on, man. You know that man's going to remain undefeated until he goes uh, into his own match at Revolution. I got to tell you, from a viewing perspective, this was pretty rough to watch because... <laughs> I, I'm laughing like I shouldn't be laughing, but but no, seriously, this was rough to watch. And I think it was mainly rough to watch because of all the stuff that was going on there with Chris Jericho. Right. Ever since Christmas. And then we've got Kylie Ray, freaking Kylie Ray, who's minding her own freaking business. She just recently gave birth. Uh, I actually follow her social media account. So um I've been following her for a couple of years now because I first came across her when she was working with, let me think now. I think it was first with the NWA. And, you know, I was like, oh, who's this cute little ball of energy, fun energy here? Who, who Who's this that, you know, it's kind of reminding me of Bailey a little bit here. And I became a, a fan of hers rather quickly and everything. You know, but I'm just going, you know, Damn, Kylie Ray's minding her own business. She just recently gave birth. Uh, she's been getting back into her her wrestling uh, her wrestling body. You know, I know recently she put out a post talking about how post postpartum. Um, you know, after giving birth, she talked about how you know she didn't realize how difficult it would be to you know, get back in shape. And she's like, this is something that's really not talked about enough. And um, I just kind of looked at that and was, hmm, you know, because sometimes I like the whole tell me something I don't know. So to hear that, right, because I'll be honest with you guys, and a lot of you all may find this to be funny, silly, whatever. But I always felt that after a woman gave birth, you know, obviously the belly has been stretched out for such a significant period of time, I always figured there was going to be a lot of extra you know, flap and, you know, other stuff going on and everything, but that, you know, Hey, you know, just, it'll take care of itself. Just maybe you rub some cream and, you know, that's, you know, but from what Kylie Ray and, um, there's another wrestler, 
she's no longer wrestling. She's out of the business. Um, she used to wrestle for the Shine Wrestling Promotion um, and Shimmer. She was part of the Valkyrie stable back in the day. Um, her name escapes me right now, but I think she used to push the social media handle Radiant Rain or something like that. So shout out if you know who I'm talking about. Uh, but I, I know like when I string them all together, these girls and a few others that have talked about, you know, hey, I you know, gave birth and, you know, it's all they're saying the same thing, which is, hey, after you give birth, it's really hard to get back in shape and everything. But you got Kylie Ray minding her own business as allegedly some stuff possibly involving Chris Jericho uh, has resurfaced. I'm sure a lot of you guys had saw what Nick Hausman has put out there. Uh, you know, in case you guys had missed it, he's basically saying that, you know, according to his respectful sources, you know, there's some stuff, you know, this basically follows up on what we were talking about right here on the show uh, off and on um, about Jericho over the years. But we recently talked about it on uh, Thursday's show, which is available on demand on the YouTube channel right now. It'll also be available in audio format shortly. I'll be mixing that down and releasing that right along uh, with this post show for you guys. And so, you know, you're looking at all of this stuff that's going on and then even more stuff is starting to surface on Chris Jericho. And so you had a, a decent amount of the wrestling community a bit conflicted. When it comes to Chris Jericho here, because you had some fans saying, hey, look, considering some of these allegations that's being put out there, is it really a smart move to put Chris Jericho out there? And of all the crowds in front of a New York crowd, because they can definitely dish it, you know, or, or do you essentially protect Chris Jericho? And at the same time, do you hide what is obviously a black eye because what really anybody should be talking about is this pay-per-view, especially with some of these story arcs, big revelations and everything. Should you just, Chris, thank you for your services, but enjoy New Year's with the family, you know, the loved ones. We'll see you on Dynamite, not this coming week, but the week after. Just, you know, take two weeks off or whatever and, you know, we'll, we'll run this back. Don't worry. Let's let some of this stuff die down. And community was divided. The community was divided, believe it or not. You had those saying, look, until there's actual proof that is brought to the table, hey, it's still business as usual. You had others that said, well, you would think that would be the right thing to do. But Tony Khan has shown time and time again that this pretty much is not how he operates He's going to continue to let it be business as usual until something materializes, right? So you had a decent amount of people that were online uh, basically talking about this. And then, you know, the other thing that was pretty funny, the other thing that was, the other thing, (laughs) are you serious? Are you serious? Oh, wow. He actually was asked about this. Are you serious? This can't be right. Okay, I'm looking right now and allegedly, because we were talking about this earlier, uh, myself and a couple of people privately, and then for some of us podcasters, we were openly talking about this, which was, 
is anybody going to be brave enough at this media scrum where, you know, these people are supposed to be journalists. Are they going to ask Tony Khan about the whole sexual harassment stuff during the media scrum? Or are they going to not risk it? Cause they don't want to lose those press credentials and the nice AEW care packages and all that other good stuff. So apparently there is a video of Tony Khan being asked about this because I know the scrum is underway right now and uh, this should be good. I'm actually going to load this up. Let's listen to this audio here. We're knocking out like two birds with one stone here. We, we're still talking about Jericho because to the point when Jericho had came out, the boos were obvious. You still had some people that were trying to sing his little song and they did the little close up on those that were doing it. I just put my head down when I saw the one brother that was just, I'm going, really, dude, really, really all things considered. Really? Like, uh, you must've just wanted to get on TV. Shout out to the one fan that was in attendance when Jericho had got into the ring. Uh, he held up this sign it was an awesome freaking sign. It said World's NDA. And I howled in laughter and, and just the sad face that Chris Jericho had on him when he was entering the ring. He did not look. He had the look like, ah, oh, this is not what I was expecting. Can we kind of hurry up and get this over with? You, you know, like the match, basically. Like, can we get this underway? <laughs> And the few times that he was tagged into the match, he was getting booze. It, it was it was not good. It, it was not good. The crowd seemed to be, I don't want to say disinterested, but they were definitely not engaged when Jericho was doing whatever in there. You know, when it would come to him being the legal man, they definitely were not interested and they were letting their voices uh, be heard. So I believe, let me see here. Let me connect my phone to the mixer here so you guys can hear Tony Khan's response. And I'm very surprised that he was asked this question. I really, really am. So can't wait to hear who asked this. Tony Khan is apparently wearing like this big old Afro. Surely, surely, and, and shades, surely this this has to be a CGI joint. Surely it has to. But let's hear what he said here. And there are, there's real concern from wrestlers, from uh, fans, from media alike, you know, about the safety of wrestlers behind the scenes. So like, what has been done specifically to combat, to prevent issues like sexual harassment in the AEW locker room, both, you know, in the past and going forward? Because this is something that should always be looked at. I think it's very important. It's a great question, Kevin. And I think it applies to everybody in the whole company women and men, and it's something we're very serious about, and we've had a policy in place, and certainly I think any time there's anything like that, we would uh, make sure we do everything we can to prevent it. AEW has the best safety record, I believe, of any pro wrestling company in the world. I believe we have the most safe environment. I believe we have the best safety record of any pro wrestling company, and I would hold the record of AEW on safety against any wrestling company in the world. And I think we, AEW is the safest place for pro wrestling. And if any of our wrestlers ever have a concern, they always have an open line to talk to me. And, I, you know, I believe anybody would sit here and tell you they always can talk to me anytime they are concerned about anything. 
Well, certainly, if there was anything uh, that you know came to light to me, I would take it to the disciplinary committee, and uh, you know that's how we've been doing it. And I think we, our disciplinary committee, has been doing a great job. And everybody knows they have an open line to me or anybody on that committee. And that's basically it. Uh, and this was all being said while the TBS uh, champion, <clears throat> while the TBS champion, uh, Julia Hart, was sitting right beside Tony Khan. I don't know why he's wearing a pair of black shades and a big old afro. Can can anybody confirm this is legit what Tony Khan was wearing? Because I'm just looking at this going, maybe somebody turned a filter on to mess. Because if I'm being asked a serious question about sexual harassment during a media scrum, this is a very serious freaking topic, is it not? I don't know about you guys, but if this is real, that he wore shades and an afro, and you're answering this type of a serious question, I am literally going, as this question is being asked, I am literally, like, once I'm able to process what's being asked, I am beginning to take my shades off, I'm beginning to take that damn wig off, and I am continuing to look at the person that's asking that question with a very straight face, serious demeanor, making sure I'm maintaining that eye contact with them, you know, letting them know, you know, hey, I, you know, yes, I understand. You know, I, I hear you like all that. And this guy, this can't be real, y'all. Come on now. My man is wearing an afro and some black shades. Is it Halloween? Did, did, did I did I miss something here? Like, why are we? Like New Year's Eve party and all that other stuff, that's not for a handful of hours. Just just what the Oh man, people are gonna be having a field day um with this. Seriously, they are gonna be having a field day uh with this. This was just bad on so many levels. If I was Tony Khan's PR guy, I, I would have somehow got his attention as this question was being asked, and I would have did the hand gesture to him to ditch the props so that he could tackle this question uh, very seriously, right? You know, you're going to tackle this, look the part, because it's very serious. So look the part, look serious. Just freaking, oh my God. I see people, I'm not the only one that's feeling the way that I'm feeling about uh, about this, as he, uh, a lot of people are ripping him for his appearance. Shout out to Andrew Carluck. Andrew Carluck. Wait a minute. This, is this my? No, I thought this was Andrew Carluck. This is another Andrew. Reading some of the uh, responses to what Tony Khan had to say. A lot of folks are saying that Tony Khan gave, honestly, a super awkward response to the Chris Jericho situation. I think that was a very odd way to tackle that. Um, yeah, by the way, going back to that, to that match about Jericho and everything, if anything else happens during the scrum, uh, that you guys want to bring to my attention before we go off the air, let me know, let me know. Uh, normally what I do after the AEW media scrums, I normally watch them in its entirety and try to make note of, you know, the most interesting takes, you know, to talk about on the next show and everything. 
But uh, I know also during this match, and this has since been confirmed by those that were actually in attendance, there were uh, Kylie Ray chants. There was you Jericho. Uh, what else was put out there? There, there? there was like one other joint that was put out there. I had took a, a uh, let me pull up one of my DMs here and I can actually, I can actually tell you. Oh, NDA. Yeah, NDA was another one. So there was a lot of saltiness that was going on there uh, with Chris Jericho. But yeah, I mean, the crowd for me, they didn't really seem like they were into this. And rightfully so because of all the stuff that was going on with Jericho. The match did seem pretty sluggish uh, at times. We also had a lot of miscommunication that was going down between all parties. Um, Some good spots uh, here and there and everything. But, you know, for a match involving Sting, you know, yeah, this is about on par with what we've been getting thus far. And it's just pretty much moving along. I was more interested in the TBS championship house rules match between Julia Hart defending against Abaddon. Uh, Love this winner still TBS champion, Julia Hart. Um, Very good pacing. Uh, in this one, I love the storytelling uh, that was laid out here. I love the fact that, you know, it doesn't get any more simpler than this. Two supernatural beings squaring up against one another. You know, it, it, it doesn't get any better than this, right? I mean, you're just looking at this on paper and you're going with the way Abaddon has been built up within recent weeks you know, really just materializing from out of thin air and becoming a legitimate threat potentially to the championship reign of Julia Hart. I loved how all this came about and it sounded really good on paper, but was it going to be executed? Was it going to live up to what was put down on paper? And I felt that it honestly did. So kudos to both, both wrestlers. They did phenomenal in this great pacing. I really got to make sure I put great emphasis on Julia Hart. And just when I look back on 2023 in general, if there is a award and we're going to reveal the categories on our Monday show, because I'm finishing up creating the polling categories and everything, but uh, you guys will be able to vote and everything. But if I were able to just right here and now, you know, my pick, and I think that's how we'll do the awards. I'll have, my pick, and then you all will have your pick that you'll be able to put in. You'll be able to type in who you want that should be the recipient of, you know, depending on the category, you'll be able to type in who you want as the winner. But uh, as far as most improved wrestler of the year, you know, somebody that really turned it around, did a serious 180, I've got to give it up to Julia Hart. She has really, really taking it to a whole new level. I was very curious how Julia Hart's style of wrestling was going to mesh with Abaddon's unorthodox style of uh, wrestling. She has a very unique offense. Y'all got to admit that. Uh, And it jailed well. I I love that towards the end of the match, Sky Blue came out 
at, you know, she called herself attacking Abaddon from behind. And I love how Abaddon basically pulled an undertaker. Like you think that's it for Abaddon. She's late. Uh, they're laid out and Abaddon freaking rise from your grave. And I love how they just automatically rose up like the undertaker and then immediately left the ring as Abaddon went right for Sky Blue. Somehow, Abaddon knew that Sky Blue went under the ring and went looking for her, grabbed her ankle, pulled her out, started slugging her out. Uh, Julia Hart attacking Abaddon from behind. Action goes back into the ring. Now, look, there was a little bit, you know, I know the ROH Botches account made note of the fact that Julia, and I did note this as well, Julia had went up to the top rope, basically was doing a back moonsault, and you're going, hey, back moonsault, cool. And I don't know if it was a case where Julia felt maybe she needed to readjust herself because she wasn't sure if Abaddon was in the right place where they needed to be to take this move or what, but Julia does this back moonsault and she lands essentially on her knees. It it, it was really weird. Like she landed on her feet slash knees and the knees didn't, my whole point, like no part of Julia's limbs actually made contact with Abaddon. It was just all air. And, And yet Julia went in for the cover one, two, three, and Julia basically retained. That, for what was otherwise a, a decent matchup, I enjoyed it more so than what went down with Team Sting taking on uh, freaking Callis family and all that. It was a good match. I'll just minus that, that little... And I don't know what that was from Julia. I, I don't know if it was... I won't say confidence... Cause I've seen her pull that move off before. Maybe this was just a case where she just honestly felt like Abaddon wasn't where they were supposed to be. And they just needed to adjust that way. But Hey, Julia retains all good. Need more Abaddon on TV. Tell you that right now. Yeah. And that's the sad part about Abaddon too. You know, even though Julia was getting the reception, that New York crowd, you know, they were a little bit, indifferent when it came to Abaddon and I get it because Abaddon hasn't been on TV enough you know hopefully after the performance they had tonight Tony Khan and crew will definitely do a lot more for uh, Abaddon on TV AEW TNT championship no disqualification match Christian Cage taking on Adam Copeland I actually uh, love this match this was this was good, but I got to tell you, man, some moments in here that's definitely going to be on Botchamania when it's all said and done. I've seen a few tables lit on fire in my time, and I've seen people go through uh, those tables. I mean, hell, uh, what is it? Uh, Edge taking on Mick Foley, uh, WrestleMania. That comes to mind. Uh, but what was going on with the table tonight? Oh, man, that poor table. Seriously, it really did not truly get all of the impact it should have gotten. 
I have never seen a table that was set on fire and the flames just quickly poof, they're gone. And a person not really truly devoted to going through that flaming table like Dick Wayne. <laughs> I'll tell you, man, this was just there was a couple of uh miscues that was going on here uh in this matchup. But you know what? When it was all said and done, I still found this one to be highly entertaining uh for the most part. Um, <laughs> I'm just thinking back. I'm just thinking back to that whole stuff involving the table, man. Like I'm looking at that. I'm going like you only had one job, one job. And that was to make sure you could go through the freaking flaming table. And nah, man, like you couldn't freaking, you couldn't freaking do that. Right. And you know, and some people go, well, you know, he's a kid cut him some slack and it's a situation where you go yeah but when you've got christian cage and you've got edge adam copeland right there who best to tell you how you need to be taking it and right who 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 best to get the advice from than those two guys if you're gonna go ahead with the spot and everything who better to prepare you than those two men and yet somehow this was just, yeah, this was just really, 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 really bad. But uh, Copeland final moments in the ring. Kicks Christian Cage in the groin. Connects with the kill switch. One, two, three. We got ourselves a new TNT champion. This came at about the 25, 26 minute mark. Edge Adam Copeland not able to celebrate that long when from behind kill switch was right there. Laid him out. Kill switch getting ready to cash in his opportunity for a shot at the TNT championship when Christian Cage said, No, 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 no. It's gotta be me. It's gotta be me. I, I want the shot. I want to become the new TNT champion. Give me your contract. And Kill Switch was hell bent, very frustrated, did not want to do it. Christian Cage whispered something and Lucha. I'm Gary Carlin, Luchasaurus, whispered something in Killswitch's ear. And Killswitch reluctantly gives him the contract. Cage signs it. And then, next thing you know, Spear by Christian Cage. One, two, three. Boom. It's over. Christian Cage wins back the TNT championship. I'm just picturing the Homer Simpson uh, his his father, right, Bart's granddad. I'm picturing that gif where Grandpa Simpson walks into the bar, puts his hat up, then turns right back around, goes back out. I mean, this was literally Adam Copeland's title reign uh, in a nutshell. Uh, this was, <laughs> you know, you're looking at this. I, I loved it. This was a damn good moment. This was a great swerve because on the one hand, you're going, when Adam Copeland won it, you're going, hey, this is a really cool, okay, oh, okay, okay, well, you know, this should make things kind of interesting for AEW programming going for. okay, sure. But then when the stuff went down with Killswitch and Cage, you're going, wait, is this actually going to happen? We're actually going to, really, or is Killswitch going to say, nah, bump this, you don't control me anymore, and instead it went, in the, but then still, there's that part of you that's going, maybe Adam Copeland is going to rebound 
And somehow he's going to manage to pull up another upset, still retain the title, and poof, that's it. And yet somehow, somehow Cage goes in there, pulls the upset win. Great way to troll the fans. And look, we all can be in agreement. Christian Cage has been on such a roll right now, especially pissing off uh, the wrestling community. I mean, he's been on a really good roll Uh, You got to keep it going. You got to keep it going. Remember what I said a couple of weeks ago? I said, look, when that title ring of his does come to an end, it really should be at the hands of a young up and comer, you know, somebody that can definitely benefit tremendously, whether that be a Dante or a Darius Martin or a Max Castor or Anthony Bowens. Like you want to go in that respected direction. A.W. Continental Classic Finals Triple Crown Championship. John Moxley taking on Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston picking up the win after a devastating back fist grounds Moxley. Pretty much, I won't say knock him out, but definitely caused enough head trauma for Eddie Kingston to pick up the three-count victory a little bit over the 18-minute mark to become the new Triple Crown champion. You know, the abrupt finish, because it was an abrupt finish that went down there and what I just described. A lot of us were expecting for John Moxley to kick out. And the fact that he didn't and the match just ended that way, it was, well, damn. Well, damn. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, well, we'll take it then. You know, that that's cool. That's cool. I thought it was a great touch when it was all said and done. It, it was really a great touch. I love the fact that Eddie Kingston won this. You think about the start of Eddie Kingston in this tournament, in this AEW Continental Classic tournament, and he started off 0-2. And then just the fact that he was able to string the W's together, get all the way to this point and still come out winning it at the very end. As I said on X, the Cinderella, man, story continues. You know, it almost, shout out if you play WWE Supercard, it almost is like their Survivor Series game mode. And you go in there and, you know, if you're really, really bad, you are knocked out, right? You're, you're eliminated after three defeats. But man, like you start sweating big time when you get that second defeat. Do you not? In that game mode, you sweat big time when you get that second defeat. But you're saying to yourself, well, wait a minute. I was able to combine some cards here. So I, I just need, right? I just need to be able to still combine my cards and little bit of luck and whoever I'm matched up against, they'll have some weaker cards. And, and then all of a sudden you started off 0-2 and you start stringing it together and somehow you're able to go into the finals. I mean, that's literally what went down here with Eddie Kingston when I think back uh, on this and everything. Uh, this had a whole different vibe to it. Eddie Kingston versus John Moxley this go round compared to the last time that we saw them. And I mean that in a, a very respectful way because it felt more was on the line for Eddie Kingston this go round because this was a case where, Eddie, you're looking to make a name for yourself. You know, you're looking to become this triple crown champion 
you know, if, if you really want to, you know, do all of that and then some, you have to, by any means necessary, you have to defeat John Moxley. Yeah, obviously this isn't going to be a walk in the park, but you got to somehow dig down deep and rise to the occasion here. I love the whole psychology of the striking game. Great job by the commentary team breaking it all down uh, as well and everything. You know, it had a it had a strike fest slash MMA themed style to it uh, within reason. That's the vibe that I had honestly uh, got in everything. Uh, great work uh, from both men when it was all said and done. And this was your Continental Classic Finals. And with that, one of the best things since AEW's inception. It's honestly one of the best things that they've done. And I think this tournament going forward will be that much more impactful, will be that more meaningful if AEW can do a better job in putting a curb stomp on tournaments. And, you know, really let it be a case where, okay, look, as far as tournaments go, we know we're going to be doing the Continental Classic and the Owen Hart, and that needs to be it. That's it for tournaments. I know we were just here a couple of nights ago talking about how AEW is going to be doing a ROH women's TV title tournament, and you're just going, you know, to that and everything. But in 2024, we we got to do a better job with these tournaments. We got a maximum, maximum three, and that is it for tournaments. You know, that way it feels that more meaningful. Uh, it feels more special, you know, because, you know, if it seems like you're doing tournaments every two to three months, then when it comes time to do these Owen tournaments, uh, the Owen Hart tournaments and it comes time to do these continental, it's going to feel so diluted, right? That even if you have some of the best matchups, like what you've been doing with this continental classic joint, you know, most fans are not going to care. And I bet you more fans would have cared about this tournament if it wasn't for all the other tournaments that has come about uh, in 2023 and everything. Right. You feel me? So, but new continental Champion crowned in Eddie Kingston, the new title that was revealed. Uh, it looks pretty badass. It has a, it honestly gave me a boxing championship slash WWE universal championship vibe. Like after the brand split had went down and everything. And, you know, remember the undisputed championship, the undisputed championship. I'm talking about that Brock Lesnar held triple H held Hulk Hogan held kind of had that similar of a design uh, for the title. It looked pretty cool. I got to say, it definitely had looked pretty cool. Moxley Kingston having a nice, cool moment afterwards where they had a hug. That was pretty cool. And apparently next weekend on Collision, we found out that FTR will be taking on House of Black, so that's going to be pretty badass. What more do we say about the AEW World Championship match between MJF and Samoa Joe? I mean, we had dedicated almost a half hour, if not a little bit more, uh, to talking about that match and everything. Uh, very unexpected, somewhat of a semi-clean finish uh, in the matchup. It was a great match. 
Um, I love the psychology of it as Samoa Joe saw that uh, bandaged arm, some semi-taped up arm of MJF and went to work on that one. Uh, you know, that pretty much was the main focal point for the entire match and everything. So, you know, you, you kind of felt like you were watching retro Samoa Joe uh, from TNA uh, almost within reason and everything. So uh, good stuff right here. Look, when it's all said and done in regards to this pay-per-view, when you look at the previous AEW pay-per-views that's come about this year, you know, as far as... You know, smashing, marvelous, absolutely marvelous. You know, uh, I wouldn't know about that. Uh, I would say, you know, the undercard for this pay-per-view was pretty, you know, meh. Uh, but you had, in, in my book, three matches that were, you know, hey, that's pretty good. MJF, Samoa Joe, Eddie Kingston, uh, John Moxley. Um, and your third one, I would honestly say Adam Copeland and, uh, and Christian, those three matches, I, I would say, you know, you minus those three matches, like pretend those three matches don't exist. You're definitely looking at a much lower, uh, rating, uh, for this pay-per-view. I feel, uh, overall in everything. So, <sighs> Yeah, yeah. Entertainment value-wise, you know, relatively decent, um, I would say. Scale of 1 to 10, 1 being crap, 10 being awesome sauce. I, I probably would give this pay-per-view. There's two ways I could rate this. The three matches that I just put over, factoring those in, I, I could probably give this match a, or this pay-per-view a 6 and a half. I almost want to give it a seven, eh, but I'm going to stay firm at a six and a half out of 10. You take out those three matches that I was talking about, like you pretend they don't exist. Well, then you're looking at. Mm, you're definitely looking at a five, four and a half to a five. Uh, for sure, you're looking at. Let's see what you guys had to say about the pay-per-view because we did poll you guys on X, formerly known as Twitter, at the RCWR show. A lot of people been retweeting the hell out of my uh, live event fans. One, Chris Jericho, zero, uh, because of the uh, world's NDA uh, image that's floating around on social media. It's freaking hilarious. All right, let's go to X. Right now, I'm seeing... Wow. Right now, I'm seeing 30% of you that's voted are giving AEW World's End a thumbs up. Meanwhile, 70% of you, nope, uh, that's not an update warning. That's just Defender, but like, I'm, I'm okay. I'm good. I'm good. Where does time for a notification? Anyway, uh, meanwhile, 70% of you are giving AEW World's End a thumbs down. Woo. Let's see what's going on via YouTube. Cast your vote over on youtube.com forward slash the RCWR show and click on the communities tab. Cast your vote that way. 
All right, let's see what you guys are saying over here. The 50-50 split right now for thumbs up, thumbs down. So you guys that are going to be tuning in uh, in a bit, whether you're going to be watching this episode on demand or you'll be listening on the downloads wherever you get your podcast, you've heard the results now. You don't need to vote on both polls. Just pick the one that you feel, hey, majority is over here. You know, okay, I'll let my voices be heard over here, right? But that's how it's uh, looking. So to everybody that has cast their vote, much love. Appreciate you guys. And I'm just curious, we could spend an extra couple of minutes going through some of the buzz that's going on uh, from Tony Khan's favorite site, which is, which is Cage Match. I am trying to confirm whether or not he has actually recognized Cage Match because there is some some posts that's uh, that's going around and everything. And I actually want to see, as far as the media scrum, I want to see what's going on here. So shout out to Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful.com, who said that when asked if Chris Jericho has been under investigation internally. So somebody did follow up. Shout out to those of you. I know Kevin was one of them. I don't know who the other one is, but uh, shout out to those of you that were at the media scrum that actually felt, you know what, this is too serious. All the joking and, you know, all that buddy chum stuff. Like we, we need to know what's going on here. But Sean Ross uh, had noted that when asked if Chris Jericho has ever been under investigation internally, Tony Khan says he can't speak to unsourced internet rumors and has repeatedly put over their safety policies and that he welcomes anyone with concerns to bring them to him or the AEW disciplinary uh, committee. So FYI on that one. Uh, Let me see what else is going on here um, as far as the media scrum goes. I'm just curious if, if there's anything else out there that's kind of noteworthy, I'm just skimming real quick here and I'm not, I'm not seeing anything. Something else kind of noteworthy. Uh, apparently also during the media scrum, Tony Khan says that he plans to be very active in 2024 when it comes to signing free agents. Uh, let's see here. Trying to see if there's anything else noteworthy here. Also, during the media scrum, as far as Andrade's status with AEW, Tony Khan has revealed that Andrade is officially done with AEW, saying, quote-unquote, Andrade's contract is up and he'll be leaving AEW. We were not able to reach an agreement, but did everything we could to show we value him. That is a direct quote from Tony Khan during the media scrum. Uh, Also during the scrum, apparently Tony Storm called out a major women's free agent who has money written all over her. Uh, Said that during the media scrum, pretty obvious who, uh, she is referring to, of of course, Mercedes Monet. 
uh, as uh, reports were floating around within the last couple of days that apparently internal talks between her and WWE fell apart and that basically it was very imminent that she would be signing with another company uh, very shortly. Let's see here. By the way, shout out to uh, Edge Adam Copeland. Looked to be in phenomenal shape. Uh, you know, I know uh, you just look at him. He put on a little bit more size, got on a little bit more definition. Looked like a freaking badass, man. Looked like a freaking badass. Lord have mercy. And in a post-world in media scrum, Tony Khan said that he is absolutely open to introducing another New AEW championship. How many more championships do we need, dude? Seriously, how how many more championships uh, do we need here, man? Um, I know there's going to be a decent amount of people that's going to look at this pay-per-view and they're going to feel a certain way like, damn it, Matt on X says that AEW World's End was a mess. Sure, there were a few good moments, but overall... Really disappointed. Kingston versus Mox was damn good. Edge versus Christian was not bad. I'm glad I watched it delayed because there was quite a bit of fast forwarding. I know that there were some people that ordered the pay-per-view via Bleacher Report that were having some issues there in the first 30 minutes. Let's see what people are saying on uh, cagematch.net here. Um, As far as the overall rating... For AEW World's End. It's still early. Right now I'm seeing the total number of comments and votes. And not enough people have uh, have flocked to it yet. To give it an overall. To give it an overall you know, average rating. Like right now to those that did rate and leave comments. I'm seeing an 8. And I'm seeing a 4. So. Let's uh let's check out the eight rating, eight out of ten rating. Decent buy-in show ahead of World's End with three enjoyable matches. The vignette with Serena Deeb was nice to see, and cannot wait to see her back in AEW. Chris Statlander versus Willow Nightingale. Enjoyable match for the buy-in. Evenly matched. Wow, he said evenly matched match where Willow Nightingale winning was a surprise as I would have thought Chris Statlander was going to win the power bomb on the apron looked brutal. Yeah, that was a rough spot. That was definitely a rough spot. Surprise. This was on the buy-in and not on the main show. TNT title. Number one contender battle Royale match kill switch. Winning the battle Royale is interesting considering if Christian cage does retain the title, it would be cage versus kill switch. The start when the rest of the competitors bearing Lance Archer and Kill Switch under tables outside the ring was an interesting method. Some memorable eliminations. Okay. Hook versus Wheeler Yuta. Decent match that featured some decent weapon spots. Physical as expected, and Hook winning was the right decision. And the way he won when he locked in Red Rum. Uh, with the remnants of the hockey stick was cool to see. Um, that's it. Oh no, we're, this is for zero hour. No one. I'm like, damn, like you've got nothing else. I don't care about zero hour. Let's go for the actual 
World's End pay-per-view. That's what we want. There we go. Now we're there. Average rating right now is a 5.6 out of 10, guys. A 5.6 out of 10. All right. Yeah, we got a decent amount of, wow, I'm seeing a 9. I'm seeing a couple of 9s. I'm seeing a 4. I'm seeing a 7. I'm seeing another 4. I'm seeing a 6. Somebody gave it a 0 out of 0. Uh, I'm seeing a five. Okay, tell you what then. Let's go with most critical and let's go with most positive and then we'll go with a neutral one. So by default, let's go with the most critical, which is a zero out of 10. This was the worst pay-per-view, not only of the year, but in the entire history of AEW wrestling so far. The entire construction of World's End was done in a hurry as the focus of the weekly shows was on the good Continental Classic and the unbearable storyline between MJF and the devil. Going into the pay-per-view, the quality of the matches were terrible. Eight-man all-star tag match was incredible, as was Christian Cage versus Adam Copeland. Mox versus Eddie was disappointing, but still delivered in the ring. Now, if you're hearing this so far, you can't help but go, well, if that be the case with some of the positives, why are you at a zero? Like, what what the hell here, right? Let's keep going here. The rest of the matches were bad. Storm and Rio put on a bot show in a super strange match. Chris Jericho's entrance presence and match made AEW and Tony Khan ashamed. Harden Abaddon had one of the worst matches I've ever seen. Miro and Andrade delivered a boring and sleeping match and Swerve did a good job in a extremely unnecessary and long match. The most negative point is still again with MJF's main event. Uh, once again, in an MJF match is built and he sells an injury and ruins all the potential the match could have had. Samoa Joe won the title in a match completely dead, soulless, and emotionless. To top it off, we received the payoff for the worst rivalry in the entire history of AEW. Long, boring, predictable, which made the weekly show seem ridiculous. To complete the possible rivalry between Adam Cole and MJF, um, MJF must go on hiatus as MJF will pass some time off. A true horror show. Everything needs to change in 2024 of All Elite Wrestling. And Tony Khan has shown himself to be terrible at everything he does as a people manager, locker room, and booker. Wow. I mean, to Brent Zero, I mean, it feels like this guy has really, really taken it. Uh, personally here, uh, you know, it's interesting because he named three things that he liked, but then said the rest of the pay-per-view was bad and you just can't help but, you know, hear that and go, so you're at a zero, yet there were three things you liked. Three things you liked. And those three things that he referenced uh, liking had nothing to do with zero hour. So you would think at most he would probably say like a, a three or a four out of 10 there. So let's go with a neutral comment next. I'm curious what you guys think about uh, what, what dude said there. I see two people that rated it a five 
out of 10. I'm trying to see like what's the shortest thing I can go with here because they both seem rather, they both seem rather, uh, let's go with Air Gold, who said five out of 10. This pay-per-view by anyone else's standards would probably be a seven-ish. But for AEW, this is probably the second worst, if not worse, behind All Out 2020. Injuries forced a change to one match, Swerve versus Keith Lee, but the rest of the card was what was advertised. And the booking going into it wasn't bad, but the execution in wrestling was subpar. The eight-man tag match was great, and the next hour dragged. Andrade, Miro, Swerve, Dustin, Julia Abaddon, Tony Rio lost the crowd and the wrestling in the match was not up to the levels that be, that can be expected from any of them. Now, going back to what Airgold had said, uh, yeah, when it came to Swerve and uh, and Dustin, you know, it, it was it was too long. I'll admit that. Yes, it was definitely too long. The crowd did seem, you know, pretty disinterested. Yes, I, I will give it that. Julia Abaddon, the crowd was mainly into Julia, not so much into Abaddon. Um, same thing with Tony and, and, and Tony Storm and Rio. More folks were into Tony than Rio, but Andrade and Miro, they actually had a, a pretty good match. I thought they did their very best to get the crowd involved. I would say of the matches that he mentioned, as far as most fan engagement definitely could go to Andrade and uh, and Miro with Swerve coming in because he's just Swerve and you got Prince Nana in there. Uh, but yeah, I, I no no issue with what he's saying so far here. All right, uh, da, da, da. the second half was better, but there was really no great match, even if one considers Eddie versus Mox. If one has to rank the best matches of the Continental Classic, Eddie Mox wouldn't make the list. The main event match was okay for what it was, but the devil reveal was executed well. So, yeah, yeah. Does that change my rating? Oh, I told you I could rate this two ways. Um, and what did I say? What did I say? A, uh, no way it's a seven. No way it's a seven. I don't even know if I want to give it a, uh, what did I say? A six and a half. I'm going to stay at a six. I'm going to stay at a six. But if you take away the good stuff that I had mentioned, then you're definitely at a five, a whole five at my book. Uh, damn near close to a four. Damn near close to a four. All right. So we read a, you know, rather neutral review. Now let's go with the most, most positive which I'm seeing is a 9 out of 10. That seems to be the highest rating. Let's check that one out. That is by Sly Dan. Is that right? Or is it Sly Dan? No, it's Sly Dan. All right. Who says, good show. The Blackpool Combat Club eight-man tag match was good. Miro versus Andrade was decent. Tony Storm versus Rio was good. Swerve versus Dustin was unfortunate because Keith Lee was replaced. Adam Copeland versus Christian was great. 
Adam Copeland won the title, but then Christian won it right back, which was funny. Eddie Kingston versus John Moxley was great, of course. Samoa Joe versus MJF was great, with a surprising winner. Adam Cole is revealed to be the devil. Adam Cole betrays MJF at the end, which is the end of Better Than You, Bay Bay. Yeah, it is the end of that uh, respected era, isn't it? It is the end of that. I'm curious now that we've seen Adam Cole resurface, what does this mean for Britt Baker? Is she going to be part of this little entourage or, or, or what? Because we have not seen her in a good, good minute. I mean, there's obviously a lot more comments here from folks that, um, you know, had a little bit more to say, but that just kind of gives you a, a general consensus on where some people are uh, in regards to their thoughts about the pay-per-view. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Actually, I want to read just some of the comments from earlier that was in the uh, chat there. Let me see how I can pull them up here. Let's see how I can pull these up. Give me a second here, guys. There we go. Now I'm able to see all the comments uh, that had came in earlier uh, from uh, YouTube here. Uh, let's see here. Horror King, even AEW, no, it would be a, a lot of stock if Jack Perry uh, was the devil. I meant to say laughing stock if uh, Jack Perry was the devil. Let's see here. He also thinks that there's no way MJF is leaving AEW as that would be the final nail in the coffin for uh, AEW and his honest opinion. So, yeah, you know, honestly, I, I don't think MJF is going anywhere. I'd be very surprised to see uh, if MJF would disappear and, you know, sign uh, with another company. Like, I, I just, that would really stun the hell out of me. I would suspect, like I said earlier, he's just going to take some well-deserved time off, heal up and everything, uh, be off TV for a couple of months, and honestly, the longer that, see, I think MJF returning is going to depend on a couple of things. Like at minimum, I can see MJF being out for a total of four months. But if AEW as a whole is in a really good place where you know, ratings are decent and they've got some really great story arcs that's happening, you know, the character development that we've been talking about off and on in the show the past couple of weeks, if they can string all of that together coming up in 2024, then they can continue to milk it for what it's worth and continue to have MJF be chilling, you know, on the sidelines. And honestly, you can entertain bringing him back maybe after uh, you can entertain bringing him back maybe like, April, May, June, July, or something like that. It just really depends, right? But obviously the man needs to go away for a while, and and rightfully so when it's all said, rightfully so. Uh, but it really just depends. It, it really just depends. I think he'll be back a lot sooner if the ratings take a, you know, a significant dip. See, now we're going to be able to see, now that MJF is no longer going to be at play, so, so we're thinking 
it'll be interesting to see what the ratings difference will be if it'll be different at all, right? If it'll be different at all. By the way, going back to Rampage one last time, can we all be in agreement that this past Friday's Rampage, considering that there was not an episode of Collision, and rightfully so, a very smart move on everybody's part in AEW, but can we all agree that this past Friday's Rampage, when you really needed star power the most, considering how the ratings have been for Rampage these past several weeks, if there was ever an opportunity to, you know what, let's go ahead, let's load this episode up, let's put some serious star power on deck here on this show in hopes that we can lure in a newer audience while at the same time promoting the hell out of the World's End pay-per-view. I was going into that episode of Rampage under the impression maybe we'll see some exclusive footage from MJF after the events of what had went down at the conclusion of Dynamite. I was under the impression maybe we were going to see Renee Picard do some type of an interview with Samoa Joe. That would have been a great follow-up. But we didn't get any of that. When it counted the most, that really would have been some, some great stuff to get. Hell, even if we would have gotten a nice little cameo from the devil saying that MJF's world, is, as he knows it, is going to come to an end this weekend, right? Like, that would have been, but we didn't get any of that. We didn't get any of that. And it's so unfortunate because, hate to burst a bubble, but in case you couldn't tell, Rampage was taped. That was not a live episode of Rampage that aired on Friday. It was taped and it was blatantly obvious. If you listen to the very beginning when Chris Jericho is out there and uh, he's talking about Sammy Guevara getting ready to ask him to come out, you can hear the audio spliced in of Jericho trying to do his best to match the audio levels of what he was saying live in the ring there to the fans you can hear him trying to match that as they try to splice in some additional audio. It was pretty hilarious. I'm watching it with my wife, and um, I, I told her, I said, see, you know, unless you have a keen ear like me, you know, because I'm always editing audio. And she goes, no, 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 I heard that. I heard that, too. Can you rewind that? Because that sounded kind of funny. I'm like, oh, okay, sure. Rewinded it back. She's like, and we both had a laugh uh, over it and everything. But, no, it was taped, so... Um, but yeah, like ratings, I think that'll definitely play a factor into how soon MJF could possibly, uh, come back. Cause you would think what would start off as, okay, he's probably going to be gone for five to six months could end up being a case where, oh man, maybe this guy will be back in three months. Right. So I think it just, it, it just really depends, um, when it's all said and done. All right, last call for you guys to get in your thoughts uh, and ratings for AEW World's End uh, before we get ready to call it a night. And as uh, we are getting ready to wind it down, I definitely want to take this time, um, you know, not just to recognize our sponsors, but I also want to recognize you, uh, the listeners, uh, as well. Shout out to all the great sponsors that we've been able to work with this calendar year of 2023. There's been a, a lot of good folks, you know, and I, and I really hope that you guys appreciate it because in the previous years and, and 
listeners that would check out the show on demand and on the downloads and audio format would know this. Previous years, you know, it's like, hey, we're open. Anybody that wants to advertise, we're open. And you would hear a lot of ads. And I would imagine it would be annoying for some people, but that's basically how we're able to take care of stuff behind the scenes that most people don't think about all in all of making sure that you all are able to continue to access content for free. Okay. I know in this day and age, a lot of people like putting stuff behind a paywall and, you know, making people pay for that content. And, you know, that's no knock to them and and everything like that. But, you know, it's just, look, if we can get the content out to you, the more people that tune in and spread the word, the better, right? That's my whole saying. But in the previous years, we pretty much would be open to any and all advertisers. And I really changed that drastically in 2023 as I decided, no, I don't want to just work with any old advertiser. I want to try to work with advertisers whose products and services is definitely relatable to you, the audience. So I would, you know, to my credit, I would reject a lot of um, inquiries once I would learn about whoever you know, was hitting me up and letting me know about their products and services. I rejected a lot of folks letting them know, hey, sorry, but this does not apply to our audience. You know, we're going to have to pass on this one. And you would be surprised. Some clients, potential clients, they would be upset. Because their whole thing was, you know, well, I understand why, why are you? And, you know, it's like, we just don't feel it would be a compatible, good fit. You know, that's all. And I'd have to be flat out honest with them and say, if I me, mean, if you want to just give me your money anyway, and, you know, you're more than welcome to do that. It's like, but I believe in honesty and I'm being honest. This really would not apply to our audience. And, you know, so I've been doing a better job with the uh, shows for on demand and on the downloads as far as uh, clients go, who we work with and all that, making sure that, you know, it's the best fit that's um, humanly possible. So hopefully you guys have been appreciating that. Um, Speaking of sponsors, shout out to the good folks over at ShopTotallyTShirt.com. Whether you have a sports team, company, or charitable event that's coming up and you need hoodies, T-shirts, hats, shoptotallytshirt.com will hook you up. They've got great quality, high quality, at affordable prices with top-notch customer service. Check them out today, shoptotallytshirt.com. We're also brought to you in part by doback.com. Looking for the perfect gift for him, her, or for the kids? Doback.com has you covered with unbeatable deals and discounts, cashback offers, and more. Check them out, doback.com. We're also brought to you in part by CandyKingdomVT.com. If you're ready to elevate your snacking game, look no further than Candy Kingdom, the ultimate destination for freeze-dried candy. Check them out today, Candy Kingdom. VT that's V as in Victor T as in Thomas candy kingdom VT.com shout out to uh, friends of the show. Uh, you all know exactly who you are. 
Uh, but in case you uh, you do not know who you are, shout out to my man Julian Cannon from the Wrestling Court, the Nocturnal, and Digiday.com. Uh, miss talking with the brother. I got to get with him and uh, I got to pick his brain on how he's been enjoying this newest season of uh, Power Raising Canaan. Uh, I am telling you, after I watched the latest episode that dropped, which was, I believe, episode five, I am hating Ronnie more and more. If ever an uh, individual I want to see get his, like catch a bullet already, dude. Ronnie is that mofo. <laughs> Ronnie is that mofo. So I'm looking forward to talking about Raising Canaan with Julian. Uh, shout out to my man, Anthony Missionary Thomas and uh, Joseph Numbers of Wrestling Soup. was talking with Mish the other day. And uh, we were talking about, man, it's been a long time, man. We like, we, we got to hook up. Like it's been too long. So trying to see if we can uh, work something out. If, if not sooner, definitely something uh, within the next couple of months. And um, you know, hopefully we can, I know we'll make that happen. It's just a matter of, of when uh, and everything. Shout out to you, the listeners. You guys have been awesome in 2023 um, whether you represent by checking out the show live or you represent and checking out the show on demand and on the downloads, appreciate you all. Appreciate you all that represent whenever I put out a YouTube short. I know that's been something I've been playing around with uh, this last quarter. And uh, I'm definitely going to be doing a lot more shorts um, uh, that's been helping like behind the scenes has definitely, uh, been helping. So that's definitely going to be in the pipeline. I'm entertaining doing more, um, show excerpts as well. But what I can't figure out right now is if I'm going to have DJ incorporated into it because I know DJ with DJ, you know, I'm sharing him with the boys over at soup. So it's kind of one of those things where, you know, unless it's a pressing, pressing, you know, hey, we got to get this out ASAP, you know, he's obviously got to do whatever work uh, was put in front of him by them first. So, you know, but I don't know just yet if um, I'll continue to work with DJ or if it's going to be a case where I'll dedicate free time to uploading clips myself. It's kind of one of those wait and see uh, approaches, but there's definitely going to be a lot more clips going down, uh, on the YouTube channel, um, in 2024. And, uh, I'm looking forward to 2024 because we're really going to be branching out even more talking about, um, TNA more. Uh, if you notice when it's come to the talk of wow, women of wrestling, you know, we've dialed that back, Drastically, we haven't done anything on WOW uh, in some months, although when there's been news, I have shared that news uh, with you guys and everything that definitely will be coming back uh, in the pipeline as well. Uh, 2024, we're definitely going to be, you know, branching out a lot more, doing more uh, shows, uh, collaborations, that is uh, with folks and everything. So you know, it's not going to be a case of, you know, okay, let's see who we can interview, but you know, more so of, Hey, these are friends. These are colleagues. We're getting together. We're hanging out. We're doing a show, you know, just doing something to entertain the masses. Right. You know, that, that's basically, uh, that's basically going to be it. Right. 
So uh, shout out to Matt Coon as well. I'll tell you this right now. Matt Coon is definitely somebody that I want to collaborate with a, a lot more. Um, I've, I've been meaning to do something with him, but like I know his schedule, my schedule, but 2024, I'm definitely looking forward to doing something uh, with him. Uh, shout out to him. I see a comment he just put out too, saying the reporter from the observer throwing weak agenda and bias shade at Hosman during his groveling question to Tony Khan was weak as hell. I can't wait to watch that. I can't wait to watch that. Uh, see other people commenting saying it was gross and pathetic. I admired them for trying again up till they mentioned agendas. They completely uh, dismissed the whole thing gives an out and undermines the reason for even asking shameful, absolutely shameful. I cannot wait to watch that media scrum. I tell you what, okay. I can't wait to watch that. I don't know if I'll watch it tonight because right now I feel like playing, uh, I've yet to do it. I just got a new Xbox series X and, uh, one of the first games I downloaded is the new RoboCop rogue city game. So I'm looking forward to loading that up playing that for uh, a tiny little bit after I watch the news, but I will definitely um, watch it. Um, but once again, I love you guys tremendously. Uh, whether you welcome me into your home uh, or you're at work uh, and, and you're pretty much right. I'm keeping you company that way. I appreciate you welcoming me, me into uh, your ears and everything um, and really working with me, those of you that's been with me for all of 2023, really appreciate you all that's been working with me uh, during my class schedule because especially, you know, this third and fourth quarter, it was really hectic. I know there were a lot of times where, you know, we had to put some shows, okay, we'll cancel that for this week. Okay, we'll, we'll do this instead. Um, and we just been like doing stuff on the fly, you know, and I appreciate you guys. You guys have so much patience and I love you guys for that, uh, tremendously. And I know that we got a new semester that's going to be coming up very shortly. And that is going to be my most busiest semester yet. Uh, but we are going to do 2024 strong, at least for that first quarter of 2024. We, you know, we got to do that strong. My pretty babies, we got to do that strong. So on that note, I'm going to say that is going to do it. Be kind, rewind, check out previous episodes. You might've missed on demand and on the downloads, wherever you get your podcast, go to that extra mile. I know some of you guys are like, Hey, you know, how can I help search the show on, uh, if you push, uh, Apple search for the show on there. If you like Spotify search for the show on there Leave those ratings, leave those reviews, spread the word to your friends really helps a ton, right? Uh, when you watch the stuff on YouTube, hit the like button, you know, it helps supercharges the content, puts more eyeballs on the content on, on, especially on that specific product, right? Definitely, definitely shout out to everybody that we lost in 2023. So many people, so many people that we lost um, in 2023, um, I was watching the news last night and, uh, there was a in memoriam piece that NBC had did. And I just was like, at one point I said out loud, cause it was like after two in the morning and I said out loud, Holy crap, that person died. Like, get out of here. 
and I, I woke my wife up and she's like, who, who died? And I said, and I didn't know, I can't, I couldn't even tell you the name now, but I know one of the people was, uh, was uh, one of the Isley brothers, not Ron, Ron's still fine. Uh, but it was one of the Isley brothers. Like I had no idea uh, that they had passed and all that, but yeah, shout out to everybody that we had lost, uh, in 2023, you know, whether they were a celebrity or not, maybe you lost a loved one, close friend, right? Friend of the family, right? Again, shout out to everybody that we had lost in 2023. And, uh, as we get ready to embark on 2024, uh, for all of us, you know, for, especially for those of you that felt 2023 was kind of a crappy year and you're looking forward to 2024. Hey, we're all in it together. Hopefully 2024 uh, for a lot of you all will be the best year yet. Once again, if you're going to be going out there, you're going to be getting your drink on. Be smart. Do not drink and drive. You got Lyft. You got Uber. You can sleep in your car. You can stay at a friend's house. Call a taxi. There is no excuse. I definitely look forward to hearing from you all in 2024. So until then, 2024, which is going to be coming very shortly, your next edition of the RCWR show will be going down on Monday night, January 1st, 2024. We're going to be off to a damn good start, too, man. A lot, of, a lot of good buzz going into that Monday's WWE Raw. We'll get into a couple of wrestling news headlines. Talk about some key points from that media scrum as well. Loads more. So next go around, be safe. And most importantly, be kind to one another. Take care, y'all. Peace. Thanks for listening in Infinity One Productions presentation. Keeping it honest, insightful, and interactive. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.